I think when it came to building that proper you know, ecosystem over time, we wanted to make sure that creators through the use of what we call social tokens or creator tokens would have all that power to capture the value they create. And whatever that social token gets you or is used for or anything like that is up to the creator. And so it's really allowing them to create that direct consumer relationship for that value to be captured versus being reliant on a centralized entity who has its own uh, you know, agenda to maximize um, for them to pay you out. It's like the idea of a complete redistribution of the way in which funds flow through this ecosystem. That's dope. This podcast is sponsored by Mercury and Vault. Please stay tuned for more information on both of these amazing companies later in the episode. There are endless ways for creators to monetize their content and to monetize their contracts and things like that, but they're all in Web2 where there's a third-party toll collector in the middle and they can't keep all of the money that they've created, all the value they've created, but that's changing. Solo and Spencer from Galaxy have created a new economy where creators can monetize and keep all of the money and the benefit and value from what they are creating. You guys don't want to miss this. It's an incredible conversation. Oh, you got the crypto dad hat. Yeah, he just gave it to me while I was walking through the hall. So yeah, I I it. yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I'm an actual crypto dad. Me too. Okay. I got four year old. Yeah. Oh, four? four? My kids are seven and three. Challenging. Yeah. How, I mean. Definitely. No, 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 it is. He, he thinks he runs everything. He they, and he, he does. does. <laughs> yeah, I wonder where he gets that from. Oh, stop. <laughs> you guys are old friends, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So you can make remarks like that at him and not. Get no, and I won't jab him. <laughs> so listen, you were the you were the first athlete ever to effectually to basically fractionalize the contract. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Are we starting for real? Yeah, we're, we're going. Oh, we're rolling. Oh, we're oh, rolling. Your your kids are now. Oh, my kids. Are it's, it's oh, well, wait, you kid, guys started? Kid. It's kid. Kid. We just minted his kid yeah, in NFT kid. right here. <laughs> this is not financial no, advice. No, I say kids, and everybody's going to go, what? He's got a well, what did you? Child. What did you yeah, do no, in no, 1998? No, <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, you were the first athlete to yeah. fractionalize your contract yeah. effectively. Why, why did you decide to do that? Um, so pretty much at the time, like I got into crypto like 2017 or so. I rode the rise and fall, and, and to keep a long story short, it, it sparked an education curve into the uh, blockchain crypto space and then you know merging something that I was just learning about with is something that I know uh, a ton about which is the entertainment industry how to kind of uh, democratize sports contracts uh, better involve the fan uh, get them closer to what they want which is the player and those experiences and uh, I felt like the contract was a way to uh, the, one of the best ways to do that with the rise in sports gambling as well and uh, yeah so I did that I ended up fighting with the league uh, the product changed probably five different times and I was able to kind of release a, a bond-like structure um, that actually, shoot, I think it ends actually next July. It's still going on right now. Were you concerned at any point that making that decision, going to battle with the league, was going to actually affect your career? Uh, to a degree. Um, but I definitely, going into it, I, I told everybody around me, like, hey, like, we'll only fight this to a point. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if this ever becomes a choose basketball or choose your concept, well, then we're choosing basketball. Like, I, I just... Uh, signed my, my second deal at the time, but I, I knew I still probably had a third and fourth deal as well. And and obviously I, I played basketball since I was four years old, so I wasn't gonna sacrifice that. But we, we fought to a degree. They they told me at one point in time they were gonna kick me out the league because uh, I was uh, gambling and, and doing something illegal. And so we had to get some PR behind that and, and go back and forth with them. But 
at the end of the day, we settled on a product that they were cool with, and I ended up launching that, and it kind of a uh, uh, spearheaded the movement into Galaxy and social tokens and, you know, working with, with Solo, who obviously was at Citibank at the time and now is the CEO of our company. I mean, it, it's been a, a whirlwind for the last five years, but it's been most of the time of my life. Man, you left a comfortable job at Citibank to do this. Uh, yeah, I did. One of the wild ones who's like, <laughs> that's a really nice job. It was benefits and let's do crypto. I mean, I think when you think about it, for us, it really had to do with the idea of like doing things that you were passionate about. And I think for me, it just came from a supreme understanding about the premise of why blockchain exists and then also like the applications of what we were trying to build, right? So like with this contract securitization, um, unlocking trapped liquidity and something that's like a traditional asset is something that Wall Street hasn't been able to figure out. Like. People have been trying to securitize LeBron James for 10 years. Like, that's something that people have been talking about since the day I got there. Um, so being a specialized person, I saw blockchain, and he had brought it to me at that point in time as the most practical way to do that. Um, and so when it came to me, like, you know, being able to understand that completely and, like, actually have that use case uh, come up, the idea of leaving became, you know, a lot more enticing. Uh, and starting to do things that you actually care about, merging things like the entertainment industry and blockchain and just doing things that are uh, entrepreneurial or something that I've always you know, been interested in. So. Were you already in Bitcoin, crypto, or at least superficially interested in it? Or is he it was talking about crypto in like 2019. In like he was really the, like I, cause like the, the, you gotta take into account, like I had a Wharton education at the time, went and worked at an investment banking, you know, in a, an investment banking program, a bull racket bank. like. To turn around and just say, like, yeah, you know what? I don't think the banking structure or the banking system as structured makes sense. That's a wild thing to say. Uh, it was wild to my African parents, and it was even more wild <laughs> to, like, my managing directors at the time. Um, but I think it just came from, like, having, like, very, you know, substantive conversations about the applications of it. Uh, I mean, I graduated from Penn 23 years ago. And all my friends who went down that Wall Street path, most of them, I still can't get to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> and it's what I've been doing passionately for five or six years. So I, I think that making that transition, that jump, and the longer you sort of are in the legacy mentality, yeah. the harder it is to escape and do that. But to talk about what you guys are actually doing with Galaxy. I mean, I, the co conceptually obviously makes sense, but what, what is the ethos of it? What are you trying to provide to the creator? What are you trying to provide to the enthusiast? Yeah, so I mean, I guess I'll speak to the ethos and then let him dive into the weeds. But like I said, it was it was sitting at the, the intersection of the entertainment industry and blockchain. I went through the securities process on that side and then, you know, figured out that that was pretty cumbersome and that, you know, most people weren't going to have uh, 30, 60, 100 million dollar contracts to be able to put on the blockchain. But they still had all this utility value in terms of experiences. Right. And we we see that kind of with the cameos and OnlyFans and, and people just trying to stay at home. Uh, sell whatever talent you know what I'm saying they, they have that's that's unique to them uh, monetize that and uh, create a a future right throughout just talent and being at home so that was the ethos and, and then and being creator focused creator first um, in our modeling so we create a business model that we felt like was more enticing to the creator than uh, the more uh, top-down structures like the YouTubes and like I said the cameras and all that so uh, doing doing that part and then we just wanted to make sure that the user experience was familiar because we knew with Web3, you have the 12 key passphrases, you have, no you know what I'm saying, the, you gotta write down your password in a piece of paper and, you know, throw it in the ocean so nobody can catch it. And, and pray. Yeah, and, and pray, right? That, yeah. <laughs> that a shark doesn't hack your account, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so that was just kind of what we wanted to do, right? Kind of be Web 2.5 in a sense, have a familiar user experience, be creator focused at its core. Yeah. And, um, and then as we get into the weeds, I mean, like I said, he, he's running the day to day 
doing all the minutiae. Right, but you talk about YouTube and OnlyFans and Cameo and all these, and they're, it's amazing that a creator is able to monetize, but you're still paying that toll collector. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, when you think about the entertainment industry at large, it's like the cartel with how it functions. Like, even as an NBA player and all the value that they create for around the sport of basketball, like, NBA players are paid well. Yeah, great. Um, but, like, they create so much value, and I think that's existent, like, that exists across all different types or different parts or segments of the entertainment industry. And so what we came to build is something like, you know, allowing these creators to take some of that ownership back into their own hands and enable them with the proper community building tools to do so. And so like NFTs were very popular. That was kind of the creator economy s angle to Web3. You know, it's funny, we were just talking about it a couple you know, minutes ago. It was like the premise of blockchain or the, po or the promise of blockchain rather wasn't super appealing to me based off of the idea of NFTs. I, they weren't, that wasn't a thing back then. Right. Like it was the other applications of blockchain and like everything being a chip on the table and increased liquidity and frictionless pay, payments and borders was the main, you know, what excited us at the time. Um, and so I think when it came to building that proper, you know, ecosystem over time, we wanted to make sure that creators through the use of what we call social tokens or creator tokens would have all that power to capture the value they create. And whatever that social token gets you or is used for or anything like that is up to the creator. And so it's really allowing them to create that direct consumer relationship for that value to be captured versus being reliant on a centralized entity who has its own uh, you know, agenda to maximize um, for them to pay you out. It's like the idea of a complete redistribution of the way in which funds flow through this ecosystem. I mean, it's pretty crazy. I've done some digging into it, obviously. I mean, you can do a video call with your favorite celebrity. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. People die, kill for that, right? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think um, that's only one of the things. I think in, in our model, there's also uh, custom bespoke services, right? Like there's going to be, uh, maybe you could have a little training session with me or, you know, something of that nature. If it's a chef, maybe they oh, are going to cook something. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like you know, we, we no wanted No financial to, advice. <laughs> no financial advice. <laughs> but, um, but in general, we just wanted it to be as open as possible and provide as much utility for that community building type of style. And we feel like social tokens not only uh, help you interact with your community, but help kind of, like, organize and... Um, and motivates probably not a mobilize, mobilize. Me. there you go yeah yeah mobilize your community thank you man yeah yeah there was a book I, I can't remember the name of it but it was basically about this conceptually but with previous social media and it basically said if you as a creator can gather a thousand super fans you basically become a millionaire yeah. and have an entire career just based on a thousand people who are passionate about and that's what you build so you don't have to be an nba basketball player you can literally just be a guy who makes music yeah. in this one about this one town and this exactly. many people love it and you can literally make a lifelong career and on it's a hundred percent the case because like i think what it allows it it allows a revolution for people that are going to make their primary means of income off the internet yeah. it gives them the proper tools to do so right like if you think about all the content creators out there like you know, there's a difference between like a content creator and an influencer, yeah. right? Like he's an influencer. Yeah. He's not a content creator. He's That's not it. making YouTube videos. He's not making vlogs or anything like that. He's an influencer, a person of influence, yeah. right? Um, and obviously he plays in the NBA, but not all segments of the entertainment industry get paid like NBA players. So you think about the YouTubers that, you know, have trouble paying their rent at the end of the month, even though they influence, you know, 100,000 people. Well. I can tell you from my traditional finance background, there are people that influence maybe five people in the world that are millionaires, right? Like, yeah. if you have that much influence, like, the fact that you're only making a certain amount of money, it's completely, 
warped and skewed in favor of the platforms. And so what we wanted to do is build um, not only the tools like giving them the social tokens, but on top of it, an application layer, um, you know, that video call experience that you're talking about that gives that utility so that somebody that's not deep into the space of blockchain needs to go out and, you know, figure out what a social token is or like the way in which they can integrate it into some web service or application or whatever that they would have to build on their own. And, and to that point, I mean, we actually hear about it. They teach us um, in kind of some of those MBPA calls and, and business stuff like back when I was doing RTP, Rookie Transition Program, sorry, um, that you could convert 1% to 2% of your followers to, to buyers, but they were talking about more in a traditional e-commerce type of fashion, right? Yeah, jerseys. And, exactly, <laughs> jerseys, uh, shoes, you know what I'm saying? I had my own shoe at one point in time, and so that was kind of the, the method that we went with. But remember, you have, have 300,000 followers, let's say, on, on Instagram, right? But now the product that I'm selling is $2 instead of $100. Now that conversion rate goes a little bit higher. And as you go more to the masses, and even if it's like, hey, like for a dollar, I'll follow you. But if all 300,000 people want me to follow them and I click a button and I start following these 300,000 people, but I get $300,000 for it, right? Like for a lot of people, that value proposition is there. Like who, most people would do that, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think you'd rather also have a smaller amount from a larger amount of people because that larger amount of people will continue to grow and then eventually have the money to buy the more expensive things that you offer as well. Ready to scale your big idea? Business banking with Mercury makes it easy. In addition to FDIC insured bank accounts, unlimited virtual cards, foreign currency exchange, and free wire transfers, Mercury offers custom team management features that complement your company's growth. What's more, Mercury offers additional financing options like venture debt, depositing founder-friendly loans directly into your Mercury account. It's time to take your company to the next level. Head to thewolfofallstreets.info slash mercury. That is thewolfofallstreets.info slash mercury for better business banking in minutes. Mercury is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group and Evolve Bank and Trust, members FDIC. Guys, I have a serious question for you. How much interest are you earning in your bank account? Is it 0.00001% or something similar? We all know by now that there's a better way in crypto, but you want to be using the best platform possible, and that is Vault. I have been using it myself now for quite a while, earning the highest interest rates in the industry. 12.68% on stablecoin, 6.7% on ETH and Bitcoin, and earning yield on a ton of other assets. But it's so much more than that, guys. They have a robust exchange. You can swap your coins, and they have the amazing automatic investment plan where you can dollar cost average, or more importantly, buy the dip automatically. We know that when the dip actually comes, nobody buys it because they're scared. Well, you can automate that process now with Vault. Guys, this platform is absolutely incredible. It does everything. They're backed by Pantera and Coinbase Ventures. You really can't ask for anything more. And if you use the link right down below, you get a 40% kickback on trading fees, 5% commission on interest payouts, and 5% commission on loan interest. Guys, sign up right now at thewolfofallstreets.info slash vault. That's V-A-U-L-D. Do it now, seriously. In that sort of rookie transition program, uh, do they ever mention crypto or do you think that they ever oh, will? Oh, no, no. I, I got in the league eight years ago. <laughs> but do you think that they ever will? Do you think it'll become like, oh, yeah, I, I know I they would, bring in the financial yeah. advisors. They tell you guys like how to handle and be responsible, right? Oh, so. yeah, yeah. I would assume in the last couple of years they probably mentioned it. Um, I'm pretty removed from it, so I don't know. But eight years ago, no. Of course I not. wonder what they're saying. Twenty fourteen? No, no. There's no chance no, they were talking. 20, I wonder what they're saying. Twenty fourteen, you would have brought it up and got fired. Yeah, exactly. There's it's no like twenty nineteen. Crypto's yeah. 
be, be wary. 2020 comes around. Still be wary. 2021. Have y'all heard about Top Shot? Had, yeah. I think that, but I think that all happened last year. And it's crazy that for for NFTs, it really was Top Shot. Everybody talks no. about board apes and all these PFPs no, and stuff, it but it was all Top Shot. Well, that to to that point as well, Top Shot is what allowed the conversation, I think, to not be taboo uh, in NBA locker rooms. Because when I was speaking about it in like 2017, 2018, things like that, they all looked at me like I was nuts. They were like, "Bro, shut up! You're gonna lose all your money." Like. He's crazy. Weird dude, you crazy, all that other <laughs> stuff. I think once Top Shot came out and they saw the league was partnering with, you know, a crypto company and not just accepting like the the naming rights for for a stadium, right? But they were actually like building product on in crypto. And everybody started saying, okay, what is this? Like, how can we get involved? Let's talk about it, all that stuff. So it really sparked a conversation because I think they had their comfort level went uh, so much higher by seeing that. Yeah, it was really the perfect transition, I think, especially for athletes. But then you saw like every athlete and celebrity in the world there was this sort of bubble period where it was like we just got to make an nft man and they all flopped yeah <laughs> uh, unfortunately yeah i, I mean, mean there was the make nft a water bottle craze like yeah everybody was it was a euphoric and that happens with new markets all the time where you have like everybody you know rushing to a market and you know because some of these are the first nfts you know publicly available or known about they have some sort of value right you could argue that the fourth entity ever created could have been a picture of a shoe but it was still the fourth nft created depending on how you justify the value but over time the ways in which creators or, or people or mentors of entities justified value started to kind of dissipate because it was cash grabby like people yeah. were yeah. just trying to do it for the sake of doing scarcity it. is great but you still need demand yeah <laughs> exactly. like, i've got a one of one piece of lint from the floor <laughs> cool, I, I got the only one but if nobody wants it it doesn't really matter but that i think that like that sort of bubble popping was a necessity for companies for sure. like you to build, for right? Sure. Yeah, you couldn't have you couldn't have built this while that was happening. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean to your point, right? Like as long as people looked at uh, athletes or influencers or whatever as cash grabby or a potential scam artist, and it it makes it a lot harder for the true builders. Um, I think to your point with the bubble popping, but with us being consistent and also having guys that you know went to Warden or have done things at, at high levels, it, it adds to our legitimacy. Yeah. So this is obviously the first iteration of what you're doing, like. What's the grand vision? I mean, none of us can predict what'll happen in crypto in five years or 10 years. You wanna years. go on your diet drive? Sure. You wanna like, go on your diet drive? Craziest, <laughs> craziest, 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 what is, what is crypto? What's the world look like? What is crypto? <laughs> yeah, he, he, loves, he loves when I get in this. To put a long story short, you can make it. He's long. preaching. <laughs> He's <laughs> preaching. He's giving his sermon. He said, "Listen." To the team before we got on the podcast, <laughs> and they told me to shut up, so I'm, I'm not going to preach. I want to tell you to. Um, <laughs> no, I mean for me, I think everything is going to be a chip on the table. I think um, what blockchain can do in terms of security and transparency can kind of liquefy the world in a sense. So I think at, at some point in time, I'll be able to trade social tokens for watch NFTs for you know, board apes for houses, for cars, for all that stuff. And, and there'll probably be some uh, level of Oracle system. Um, a couple layer ones will probably uh, rise to the top and meet a cream of the crop, maybe like three or so. Um, and, and the financial infrastructure will change and how we view value will change. And we'll go back to a more traditional like barter system. Um, whereas now, like we're relying on fiat currencies and obviously we've seen the destabilization of those, the inflation in those. I think that um, value is going to come back down to supply and demand. Like you said, Lint will have value. A one-of-one -one watch probably will. You know what I mean? And if I make, if my, if I have an NFT or whatever tied to that watch and obviously it's securely stored in a vault or whatever, and I'm able to move that NFT around, I can trade it for a house deed. And, and you know, when they 
uh, burn that NFT or whatever it is, then that watch shipped to them, et cetera, et cetera. And I just think that the world is going to kind of go back to a more traditional kind of barter system uh, based on security and transparency of blockchain. And we'll see what one world uh, store of value ends up reigning supreme, whether it's something that they create uh, soon or whether it's Bitcoin. So could ask him who's going to win the NBA Finals, he would much rather talk about that. That's <laughs> All true. All the time. Yeah, NBA Finals, we'll in see. Terms, we'll, we'll be watching tonight. I'm bringing that in up. Terms of, there you go. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of Galaxy and, and stuff like that and taking that, because, you know, these big visionary, big picture kind of guy, large, large dreams, I think we want to be the standard for personal monetization, right? Like, we want to be the fidelity, the vanguard. We want to be the spot where a content creator has all the freedom in the world to monetize their communities and connect with their communities in ways they previously haven't. Um, and I think the world that we currently live in is so painstakingly centralized to the point where it actually impacts people's ability to do this or become content creators in the first place. Um, and so I think enabling them with the tools to do so, um, you know, initially, you know, we created this use case or this sort of, you know, Web3 version of these Cameo, Patreon, these creator-centric platforms, um, you know, ultimately the vision of that is, you know, that's just one use case. Like, you know, that was what we saw to be a big opportunity within the influencer and, you know, creator economy space, which is social media and interactions to use social tokens. But in the future, um, you know, there could be tons of other use cases that could be, you know, built and, you know, eventually other things that we could find uh, or ideas for the way this technology could be impactful. So the grand vision is you tokenize everything. I mean, that's really right. right. Uh, Give people the creator, yeah. creators the ability but, to do so. But but not just things, right? And when you say everything, I, I literally mean like talent, right? So when we talk about the social tokens, the building of communities, like it revolves around that whatever makes that person unique and special. And I think that those same utility tokens, those same uh, uh, talent-based tokens will be able to be traded for something like a house at some point in time. I agree. Yeah. Like, well, why not? There you go. It was a contract. Why is it not uh, music artists' royalties? Well, all that's re all that's relevant in any transaction is yeah. what's of value to the exactly. person who's Even transacting. Barter system. Like, why, why does it? If, so, if I yeah. see the value in what you're offering and you want my house, and I, I, maybe go. I just don't it's, care about my house so much. <laughs> I don't know how I'm trading no, that, my house. I mean, no, no, no. But but in general, though, like you said, that's why I say old school bartering system, right? Because if I had 15 goats, right, and you had, I don't know, three buckets of water. But I'm starving. I mean, not starving, but uh, uh, dehydrated. I'm thirsty. Well, I, I might give you a goat for for a bucket of water. You know what I'm saying? And there we go. And, and because you want a goat and I want the water, I'm cool with that. It's not on the government to say, nah, that that goat's $100, but that water is only $2. Like, So you can't do that. Bro, if he don't give me the water, I'm going to die. <laughs> Get the goat. You can have a goat. Save me. You know what I mean? This goat tastes terrible. <laughs> Tried it. Um, and that, I mean, that, and that makes perfect sense. I, listen, I don't, I, I agree with that vision. Yeah. I see that sort of as a, a parallel rail to the yeah. existing system, right? Yeah. I don't think we ever personally go to a full barter system, I think, the, yeah, yeah, the government, yeah. but, but there's no reason that should not exist for the people who want it. For sure. And and everyone seems to forget that the whole ethos of crypto in the first place was that I don't know, major two billion people in the world don't even have bank accounts exactly. and can't and can't transact at all. Exactly. Right. So uh, isn't that the the complete point of all of this is to give financial access to people that don't have it? Yeah. yeah. And and now you're able to actually monetize the talent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when you think about it, there's two. Obviously, for us pertinently, we're focused on the entertainment industry, but obviously, as being Web three individuals ourselves, like 
the visions are somewhat aligned. It's about empowerment of one's platform and not being, you know, at the at the at the whim of anybody or at, of any centralized entity or anybody else as well. So like when you think about, you know, two billion people don't have access to a, a bank account, that's true. And like you asked me earlier on, like, how did I take this dive into that? Well, like, I have a West African background. Like, I can understand that. Like, the banking system in the U.S. is not reflective of the world. So like, the premise and the promise of blockchain was way more clear to me than it might have been to some of my peers on Wall Street at the time. Right. Like you can go to a place in, you know, other parts of the world where you don't have a bank 20 miles around from you. So you literally don't use the banking system anyway. So like all you need is a phone and access and empowerment. You guys use a term in passing that I've never heard and I want explanation. Web 2.5. <laughs> we, we actually just started talking about that uh, not too long ago. But if you want to. I would love to hear we'll, what, what we'll, that means uh, to you. We'll license it to you. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll license it. I'll put it on jersey. <laughs> I mean, when you think about Web 2.5, I think it's the idea that blockchain Web 3 is not accessible to the majority of people out there. Um, and the best technologies that we've ever come upon on in humanity are ones that were easy to use and created a convenience factor yeah. that previously wasn't afforded. The user experience is awful. Exactly. The user, experience, user experience is terrible. That's come up terrible. in half the podcast I record and that's why that's gonna be a huge deterrent to people who don't want to learn new things is people are resistant to change right there actually was a point in time when people when they needed a car like when you leave here you're calling an Uber right yeah. there was a time that you would stand out there and hope a taxi drove by or you called one directly to you, you know come and get you right but then somebody had the crazy idea of like let me create an application where I can call a complete stranger to get in their car and go where I'm going and it was met with a ton of resistance at the beginning. Um, and because when that first, the first iteration of that, people didn't have iPhones. They didn't have iPhones. It failed. Yeah. So that, like, it's, uh, the, another moral of that is that there's great ideas that have been way too early because yeah. the technology didn't exist. For exactly. Time. And so when you think about Web3, it's just amazing, unbelievable technology that hasn't been tapped into yet. And so when we think about us as a consumer-facing product, like we're talking about influencers, celebrities, people that are going to monetize their communities, we don't want them to have to think too much about us, right? They don't want to, we don't want them to think about this any differently than any other platform that they might use. And so the user experience is super key and important. And so you got to meet the people where they're at. Yeah. So like Web3 right now, it talks about what's a, like, get a MetaMask, like all this. No. That, you've already lost everyone right there. You've already lost people, exactly. right? Coming into it. But when you have something where you create a user experience that sits in between two and three, has a, enough of an infrastructure. And, you know, obviously the Web3 ethos is, no control, no structure, nothing like that, everyone for themselves, that's not gonna fit with the people that are accustomed to a centralized world. Yeah. And they don't, they don't know that centralization means bad. People in Web3 you know, may think so, may not, whatever, but most people in the, you know, the everyday world are comfortable with centralization because they feel comfortable having somebody at the bank ensure their money's there, yeah. like self-custody and all these types of things. So it's like, as builders early on in the space, we wanna be, you know, additive and we want to be leaders in creating those initial standards that help service larger, pro like, pe like portions of people uh, that previously might not be involved in technology. Do you guys start by recruiting huge influencers that you know sort of to get the initial uh, hype going or to get an initial user base or is this something that anyone can sign up for anytime and attempt to monetize their talent or perhaps lack thereof? Um, I, I mean, in terms of the app, like our, our vision long term is for anybody to be able to monetize themselves, right? But it would be wrong of us, right, not to reach out to, to our network and, and tap into influencers because like he played D1 football. I, I 
I obviously play in the NBA. So, you know, our network's pretty uh, uh, vast when it comes to those things. Um, so, that, that, I mean, those are the people we targeted for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think when you think about it, the term creator will expand and continue to grow and be all-encompassing and we can all be creators. Um, I think when you think about those, you know, builders need to really have a defined vision on what they set out to be. I think the beauty of what we've built and I guess like our partnership has been great is that we know exactly what we are and what to want, what we want to be. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times in the problem with Web3, there aren't that many focused projects because then you can turn into, you, you can go down the, yeah, exactly. You yeah. can go down the rabbit hole about what about this, 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 and this, and yeah, why is it arbitrary? Like, yeah. And you can do that type of stuff. Whereas like we kind of know that the, the market we're trying to serve is that top 10% of somebody with their influence they're fans and they're following, yeah. right? And that we're a premium product for that. So we're not trying to be Facebook. We're not trying to be Instagram. We're not trying to be Facebook. Um, <laughs> you know, we're not trying to be any of those. Yeah. We know exactly what we're, we're trying to be and we want to be that sort of level two application that's for a deep knit community. And then for the um, end user, we want them to feel like it is familiar like those apps. Though. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, UX UI is the, we, that's exactly. a topic for another day, but that's the biggest problem <laughs> that crypto has. Exactly. Well, man, I, I can't wait to use it and uh, check it out. I appreciate everything you guys are doing and for you taking the time. So thank you, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate thank, thank you. you thank you, boss. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already left a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do that now. Spotify just added ratings, so please go ahead and click that five star. I'll see you guys next time.